0: This podcast contains material and language that may be disturbing to some listeners. While not explicit, listener discretion is advised. David and Shane discuss the random paranormal adventures and stories. We dive into paranormal cases from the past and the present. We also talk about what got us into the paranormal, the highlights, and the scary moments while on our adventures. This is Shane, and you are listening to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Hey everybody, just before this episode starts, we need to discuss a couple things here. Logan, Utah is getting its first Paracon. It's going to be on October 8th. Location and other details are to be announced, but as it sits right now, my group Bear River Paranormal will have a booth there, and I was also asked by the founder of the Paracon that's going to be hosted here in Logan to be a special speaker at this event so if you would like to come and see me speak or come and see our booth we will have all of our information posted up on our website and we'll also have information posted up on every single episode leading up to october 8th and then we will go from there hey everybody thank you so much for tuning in my name is shane i'm david And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the big hairy beast that has been the world champion of hide-and-seek. He is known as Bigfoot. Now, David, do you believe in Bigfoot?
1: I believe that there is a possibility that any type of cryptic creature out there can potentially exist because there's lots of things out there that we don't even know exist and we discover them all the time. Yeah. So there's a possibility.
0: Yeah, there is that possibility. I mean, there's been... Hundreds of photos floating around Facebook, Google. Everywhere you look, you'll see photos of people posting pictures of supposed Bigfoot sightings and everything. But without really much concrete evidence, you know, we can only speculate. I know there's been TV shows about Bigfoot. I know there's groups out there that actively hunt for Bigfoot. I don't know if they've ever came across anything interesting or anything like that, I've never really paid much attention to it because it's never really been an interest for me. I would like to know if he's real or not, but to actually go out in the middle of the woods and try to hunt for him seems a little sketch to me, personally.
1: Yeah, that's the one thing I was th- I've was i been thinking about the entire time we've been doing this, uh, is to, to eventually do uh, a Bigfoot hunt. But uh, just after doing our latest investigation uh where we were out in the middle of nowhere kind of environment and uh there was wolves and coyotes and stuff out there in the dark and i didn't have a gun or any flashlight or anything i was like you know i don't think i want to do this in a wooded environment and hunt a bigfoot because ghosts ghosts can't really hurt me as bad as a, a creature could if they wanted to knock me across the face exactly So I I decided to maybe hold off on going Bigfoot hunting until I get a massive shotgun.
0: (laughs) Which that would definitely help out the cause, to be honest with you.
1: Because there's tons of animals that we do know about that -hmm. will try to F us up.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they always attack in pairs and everything.
1: So, but, I mean, I would do it. I'd go, I, I would do, but... You'd want I would want a, a decent sized group. For sure. I wouldn't want mm-hmm. to do it alone. Cuz hunting alone is probably I think most people try to hunt in pairs if they can, at least of twos. Yeah. I mean I, I'm not much of an avid hunter so I I don't know too much. I've never hunted in my life, but hmm. I would assume most people hunt in pairs.
0: Yeah. Especially if you're just going out and hunting for like deer, elk, Usually you want to bring a few people with you just in case, you know, one for a spotter, you know, they can glass the the mountaintop or or the valley or anything like that. Then you have the person that goes down there and runs through the brush to try to stir them up. You know, usually a lot of people go hunting. Usually it, at the least there's two people, you know, but most case, there's like three or four people that go hunting. But yeah, I definitely would not recommend going out and trying to look for a cryptic. Creature by yourself, and think you're gonna have a bad day, yeah.
1: And uh, Bigfoot, so here in Utah, uh, there are Bigfoot sightings, but uh, where you they drop off a lot is you don't get a lot of Bigfoot sightings in the desert areas. So, if you're gonna look for Bigfoot in Utah, I think your best bet is uh, the Uinta Mountains. I think that is where you're most likely to be able to find him,
0: yeah, definitely. I do know, I think it was like three or four years ago, that one show that's on TV that hunts Bigfoot, they were up Logan Canyon trying to search for it because there's been supposedly sightings of him up Logan Canyon and yonder. I don't know if they found anything. I never watched the episode or anything like that, but I heard that they had some weird things happen. While they were up there, you know, while they are banging sticks and making hoot noises. Apparently they were getting responses back, but I don't know. It's not my expertise, but I find it quite interesting because, you know, besides Bigfoot, we, there's also, what, the Yeti, the White Yeti, and then, isn't there, like, another one or something like that over in Europe?
1: Um, so in the Himalayans, there, it's, it's either called the Abominable Snowman or the Yeti. It's yeah. The same thing. Yeah. Um and that, that one's older than, than the alleged Bigfoot but uh, people have supposedly have found bones of this potential race and then they uh, tried getting it uh, analyzed, DNA, like they held on to it, and, but apparently the people who are going to do the DNA test uh, accidentally threw them away because they thought it was stupid to test it
0: hmm yeah, I love how they do, accidentally mm-hmm. threw them away. A little ironic,
1: but... Yeah, I, I'm either they, te- they test it, and then the government's like, we can't let this get out, we must lose them. <laughs> or, you know, just test it anyways, and then see if it's like a different type of species, then you can definitely say, no, it's this, so that mm-hmm. you don't have to have everyone with the conspiracy theories wondering why you threw away or accidentally lost uh, something because you thought it was stupid.
0: Yeah, exactly, and it, it it's, I would say it, it's about the same in par for the course as aliens, too, because, you know, they don't want the public to know that there's aliens out there, that's why they cover it up as well, so I could definitely see that happening. I swear, there's like a, i swear there's a third one, because there's Bigfoot over here, then there's the Yeti, the Immovable snowman over there in the Alps, or Andes, or wherever. Isn't there one, like, up in Russia, or in that area? thought there was.
1: I don't know, they all had different types of names for them. And then even when you start getting into the classes of Bigfoot, uh, each different uh, county in the countries in the US, they have different names for them. You know, you have like mm. the, the skunk ape down in Florida. Um, you have, uh, what's the other ones? There's there's different types of names that they end up having for them. it's like the Yahoo, for instance, because it makes a noise. That sounds like it's saying Yahoo. Um, they all have different types of names, even though they're te- potentially the same species. But I guess there's different types of monkeys, and they have different names in their categories, and they look different, so it's kind of like the same thing there. Because mm-hmm. the you hear about uh, rival Sasquatches like, fighting each other and stuff. Yeah. But primarily where I feel like the most chances of Bigfoot to be at because I don't really hear too many reports in like Idaho, Colorado, Wyoming. I mean, there's, there is some, but I don't feel like there's a lot, but, uh, the Appalachian mountains, uh, back, back East, uh, I feel like are the most likely places that you'll probably find find Bigfoot, because I think the environment's set up I think perfectly for the Bigfoots to thrive in the heavily forested areas.
0: And I can't remember how long ago it was, but I think it was like five or six years ago. Do you remember seeing that video flown around Facebook of that Bigfoot caught in like in on, on a uh, drone? And it was up in Idaho area. I think it was like in Downey or income or somewhere around that area it ended up coming out as being false because the guy uh, dressed himself as Bigfoot and ran across the field to make it look all dramatic and everything but there's there's a lot of fake video and pictures that are flown around Facebook that everybody has altered and everything but I did uh, take a look at that so they call him Sasquatch over there in Europe so we call them Bigfoot or Sasquatch over there, but they're called Sasquatch over there. So I think there's only like really like two.
1: Yeah, like I said, we have many different names for them. Yeah. And then even here, once we do have a name for them, uh, more advanced people start uh, categorizing them in specific names for them. Yeah. Based on their habits and traits and stuff, just like any animal we would name.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But no, I, I, if it was five or six years ago, I wouldn't have seen it because I've barely been on the team for five years. So I haven't been that into knowing that stuff and keeping up with that stuff prior to to doing this.
0: Yeah. I just didn't know if you saw it floating around Facebook or whatever. I heard it got like a shit ton of views before it was finally deemed as fake.
1: Well, that's kind of the biggest thing I'd be worried about, honestly, Uh, dress dressing up as a Bigfoot uh, without people knowing is just worried about getting shot. Right. Because a lot of people, they see something furry and It's a shoot first, ask questions later type of thing.
0: Yeah, especially around these parts. Not so much around like the coastal cities and everything, but you get out here into the mountainous regions where a lot of people are avid hunters. And so you know people have guns out here. And it's not uncommon to shoot off deadly prey Especially if it's tacking your cattle or any of your livestock or anything like that. So, if a 7 foot tall Bigfoot was running across the yard, startles the homeowner, of course the homeowner is going to run after it with a gun, trying to kill it or whatever. Which I could definitely see that around here. I think that's why Bigfoot tends to just stay up in the mountains. They just try to get away from civilization as much as possible and doesn't help that civilization is. Booming and expanding every year, so their areas of hideouts are slowly dwindling away to the point where who knows, maybe in a hundred years, we'll be able to discover that Bigfoot is actually truly real, you know.
1: Yeah, the only thing that I can't imagine because I know they're elusive, but out of all the people that do go hunting in the world at any given time, especially during hunting season, I can't imagine no one hasn't actually either accidentally shot or killed a Bigfoot and been able to present any type of evidence about of it you know because like the foot thing anyone can replicate a foot do a foot print whatever do all that stuff So that's that's in the minimal category of, of believing the truth and uh, I mean the signs of Bigfoot that you see around is uh, you'll see uh, broken limbs up high because some say that because as a human when you track uh, and you're uh, doing a path, and you're trying to make sure you're marking so you know you've been there before or not. You, you take a branch that looks perfectly normal, and you break the end so it's kind of hanging down. Mm-hmm. That's what most uh, trackers like to do. Mm-hmm. So Bigfoots kind of do the same thing, but they'll do it up high, obviously. Um, you'll The tree knocks, that's a very big thing that people uh, say they hear and they do as a, like a calling. Mm-hmm. Um and then some people believe that the tree knock uh it's a warning, so you'll have a like a watcher or a person like standing guard Bigfoot wise and they'll when someone's coming, they'll do a knock, and then that tells the rest of the the, the group, the herd, whatever you want to call a family of Bigfoots, mm-hmm. uh, to be on guard or hide or to run away when they hear that tree knock, and that's like a form of communication without having to make like like noises to each other. Yeah. But um, So you got the tree knocks and then the other one is the trees like perfectly trees that have been ripped up and placed back in the ground upside down to mark their territory that's that's a big one now if i saw that one that one would be a lot harder for me to explain yeah because everything else so far uh i could potentially bring up as someone did that themselves but to Hmm. see a tree ripped up then be put back upside down if i saw that i'd be like that's that's a little creepy Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) yeah
0: well and 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 it kind of makes you wonder like because you know i'm a big history buff and not too long ago back on april 22nd on the bear river paranormal page i posted up about this particular Paiute indians um corpse that corpse picture and everything and there's two white people next to this uh, being, you know, this this Native American that's like 8 feet tall and it kind of makes me wonder because genetics are their a unique thing, you know when two people get together and create a baby both those genetics come together to make a human being and it makes you wonder that if some of the genetics or or anything like that that bigfoot might have possibly been related to human at one point in time maybe related to ape have you seen that post that i posted on the facebook page
1: yeah um there there, there's a thing uh there's there's two different theories besides creatures that Hmm. they could be bigfoot uh to be explained um one is, uh, was it the Jerryites? G- Jerrydorites? I don't know. Mm-hmm. They're essentially, uh, a race of giants, mm-hmm. I think. Um, they're, they're like a type of human species, uh, that existed a long, long while ago. And uh, I believe. What's that big museum that's really famous?
0: Um, not Ripley's, but, um,. Like Over there the big, on the East Coast. Yeah, the big historic yeah. museum. Yeah,
1: I know which one you're talking about. Anyways, that big museum. The Night at the Museum did a movie on it. I can't remember what it's called.
0: Yeah, I know which one you're talking about. I, the name's looting me.
1: Okay, that's going to bug me, but it's fine. Um, Anyways, I think they have uh, artifacts... Uh, Tools and stuff that were used by these race of giants, and maybe bones. I'm not. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me on the bones, but I know they have like oversized tools that these potential uh, race of people uh, would use. And then the other theory, it's uh, religion based on why Bigfoot is Bigfoot.
0: Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, there's been other discoveries of giant-like humans that were unearthed all over, like, I think, Europe and South America and I believe in Africa as well, maybe Asia. So it's not uncommon that at one point in time there were probably seven, eight, nine-foot tall people, giants, living amongst regular people at one point in time. And that kind of just makes me wonder if there's still a tribe of these giants out there they're just, we call them Bigfoot or Yetis or Sasquatch or, or anything like that. That's what we named them, but I wonder if they're actual giants from way before modern civilization was even a twinkle in
1: God's eye. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, I mean, whatever it is, in, to my opinion, it's the same thing I would ex- uh, expect, the same thing for me, that I would tell someone when someone tells me they don't believe in ghosts. No matter what evidence I show them, they're not gonna believe it until they experience it themselves. Mm -hmm. So that would be the same for me in this aspect. In Bigfoot, is I would have to try to uh, go and do it myself and experience it myself um, to, you know, whether or not I believe it or not.
0: Yeah, I think it would be fun if we go out there and just see what we can find. I mean, we can go up to up into the High Uintas. We can go up Logan Canyon. Hell, we can even go down south towards, you know, Provo area and go hiking up there and see if we can maybe hear something or anything like that. I definitely want to do some more research on the proper way of actually investigating this kind of stuff before we go out there. And I think if we can at least have six people come with us, I think that's going to be a big enough group where if anything nefarious were to happen, nothing would happen to us, you know?
1: Right, yeah. Lots of... Lots of good good lighting, mm-hmm. uh, obviously. I mean, because I've, I've, I've been camping a long time. I've just never actually been up to the Uintas before because I've mm-hmm. never had a reason to go up there. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely guns just for safety. Yes. Not that I want to shoot anything, obviously. I never want to go out there to shoot something, but I just would like to protect myself because you never know. Bobcats and shit come after you. Exactly. I mean, I've been charged by a moose before, and that's fucking scary. Ooh. Yeah, those, those
0: bastards do not play around they will kill you
1: yeah and then lucky for me right when it got to me because I offered my backup to it because there was no getting away mm. uh, right when it got to me it just pivoted and mm. then ran down the hill and I was like oh, okay time to prepare. <laughs> I'm done right but yeah I mean I, I would do it for sure uh, get, uh, do, do some backpacking set up some tents type stuff you know set up a camp and then just kind of go around the surrounding area
0: yeah and in fact um, at the beginning of this episode you heard the recording about us being at the paranormal convention here in logan utah there's going to be a guy there that actually does hunt uh, bigfoot if i remember correctly i think he's going to be bringing a cast footprint of a bigfoot so that's going to be really interesting to go and check out, and I wouldn't mind sitting down with the guy and start asking him some questions, because, you know, it's it's an intriguing thing, and there's people out there, like I said before, that do hunt Bigfoot, and they research Bigfoot thoroughly, and and I think it would be a good a good time to just sit down and just pick his brain a little bit. You know, obviously, he's local, so he's probably crawled all over these mountains trying to look for Bigfoot, and I'm curious to see if He's found any indication that there is Bigfoot in this area or not or anything like that. So I think that would be a really good, good conversation with him, you know?
1: Yeah, because the one thing about Bigfoot that most more people probably believe in Bigfoot than uh, ghosts is because there's a potential for him to be a physical thing where ghosts are always, you know, invisible to the eye for most. But Bigfoot's one of those things where you're more likely to be able to see Bigfoot. Even though the potential population for Bigfoot's probably extremely, extremely low, if not one being, mm-hmm. um, you're more likely to see that for some people than you would see uh, ghosts or aliens or anything like that because it's potentially a physical creature on this earth. Mm-hmm.
0: And my question for all of our fans out there, have you ever experienced anything like this? Have you experienced Bigfoot? Have you taken any pictures of him or anything like that? Let us know. Send us an email, message to the group, or anything like that, and let us know. We'll definitely feature your pictures on our Facebook page. But I would definitely, I would definitely wouldn't mind going up there. I think if we were gonna go up there, I think we should make a day out of it. You know, just go and explore the area, and then once nighttime hits, go hunting for them. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, I would actually be curious. Uh what other cryptic creatures besides Bigfoot are potentially known in Utah. Yeah. to Like start a list of that and just see what potential uh, creatures there are in Utah and just start uh, doing some research and some investigating into, into those and mm-hmm. seeing why there's these type of creatures here. And if they're like adapted from somewhere else or, Lore, or for what reason, you know, to try to maybe debunk some stuff. Because mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to think. I it, it's a big myth, like urban legend. But isn't there reportedly like a, a a type of Bear Lake monster? Have you ever heard of this?
0: Yeah. So there's some guy that's tr- making a movie about it. Apparently, there's a Loch Ness type monster in Bear Lake. I. Uh, Honestly, I've been out there so many times, I've never seen the Bear Lake monster before. But the interesting thing about Bear Lake is Bear Lake is actually pretty deep. Uh, I think the southeastern area of Bear Lake is the deepest part of the whole entire lake. So, if there's something hiding out down there, who knows? I don't think anybody's actually explored the bottom of Bear Lake before. I know the pressure down there is very extreme, comparable to when people go diving into the ocean and go deep down there. So I honestly don't know, but I've, yes, I've heard rumors about it, and there's a guy that's making a video about it a I mean, movie think, or whatever. I think that's the
1: same with uh, Salt Lake. I think every lake that there is, everyone says there's something. Uh, in the waters, because of course, under the waters, you don't know how deep it is. You don't know what's under there, so everyone's mm. imagination goes kind of, kind of wild. But mm. I, I've swam in the Bear Lake, and it's crazy that you say that because it's deep. Yeah, but when we went that one time, we walked out so far that we could still touch. It was crazy. Well, yeah, how that's
0: far. that's the beauty of Bear Lake. That's why I love that place because it's not like your typical man-made reservoirs around here where you take six feet and bam, you're in deep water. Bear Lake has been here for hundreds of years, thousands of years at least. And it's to the point where you can walk out, even at at its highest level, you could still walk out a ways before you actually hit deep water. But then after that, it's a steady grade on down, you know? And if you've ever noticed, like if you look at aerial pictures and everything, there's really not much going on on that southern, southeastern end of the lake not that many houses out there there's really hardly any beaches most of the beaches are on the upper east side north and all over the west side and southern part but that one particular area that is the deepest of the lake and it goes down hundreds of feet at least
1: yeah um the other things i think utah gets because utah idaho we're, we're pretty coyotes are big right yeah Um, so then there's there's potential for uh, coyote wolf hybrids that's one of the things that Mm -hmm. pops up in Utah Um, the dog man it's a big one because it's also big in in East so everyone has their own type of dog man whenever like uh, four-legged creatures are concerned Mm -hmm. Uh, but then you got to think that uh, Montana has been getting wolves that have been coming down from uh, Canada Mm -hmm. and those wolves are huge some people call them dire wolves because Mm they're so they're so big and massive and so if wolves from canada start coming down and people who normally don't see those type of wolves and then they see them for the first time they think that's that's something different because it's something they've never seen before oh yeah word starts getting spread around and stuff like that
0: yeah the farther north you go the bigger the animals get i mean the bears get bigger the wolves get bigger the the moose get bigger uh, the elk and the deer get bigger. Everything is bigger up there, I swear to God. But I could definitely see that, though. I've seen pictures of those wolves up in Canada, and they stand taller than any known man. I think I think maybe that one
1: Asian basketball player is still the tallest, if I remember correctly. I think, like, for me being six foot, a wolf just on its paws, like not even standing up on a tight length, on all fours, will be eye-to-eye eye with me. So that that's that's tall.
0: Very tall. And just think of the power that that wolf will have behind it, you know, because of its mass and its muscle content and everything like that. It, it would take down a, a human with, without a doubt. If a human didn't have a, a gun, it's game over. You're dead. And then, of course, you know, you have the big massive bears, the big old brown grizzlies up in Canada and Alaska. Those things are no joke. You think a brown bear is big. Or not a brown bear, a black bear is big. Wait until you see a big ol' grizzly. I mean, it's like triple the size. So everything is bigger and scarier up in north. But then, you know, if you go to the southern hemisphere, there's spiders that will fucking kill you. So, <laughs> you guess pick your yeah. poison, I guess.
1: That's why I like kind of this middle area of Utah, because if you go up north of Utah, you can get that cold... A winter foresty area type area, and if you go south of Utah, you can get a deserty, you know, drier air. Mm-hmm. So like Utah's like, it has a little bit of everything. Cause I we don't get too humid here in Utah, but I, occasionally we, we, you can get humid if you go into the foresty areas mm-hmm. away from the suburbs. Yep. But I mean, I I've we've been to Kentucky. It's fucking humid, and I hate being moist. <laughs> I hate it.
0: My skin loved it, but yeah, it was definitely, it was a little sticky out there.
1: And then coming back to Utah, and it was 90 degrees in June with the dry heat, I was like, can't breathe because I was used to the humidity. Exactly. getting punched uh, twice.
0: Yeah, that was a rough drive home too
1: in that old truck. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. That thing was an oven. <laughs> I don't know. Well, actually, what I'm hearing, I did some research, and I want to do this, but I don't know if I can. Uh, to paint my roof white that will cool my house down by 25 degrees in the summer.
0: I don't doubt that because there's been studies done where they've painted a road completely white.
1: Yeah. It and runs, it, it has bounces dropped the, the temperature
0: sun. in the area by a few degrees.
1: Yeah. Which is weird that we still do black asphalt because black absorbs the heat. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's why we're getting hotter with all this black. And then our roof shingles, they make them black for some reason. Mm. But white, it, it, you know, bounces off. It reflects the sun. So it reflects the heat. So I don't understand why we're not doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Honestly,
0: I think in 100 years or so, I think it it push comes to shove. I think a lot of people are going to start changing, like, the roofs to white and changing the roads to white and everything. I could see, like, during the winter, because in certain areas, you you people don't get winter, you know. Us people up north, we get winter and with then when that Sun hits the black asphalt it helps melt the ice and melts the snow and everything it helps clear the roads so that way the plows aren't constantly running 24-7 so I mean it's kind of a toss-up you know it's do we want white roads so that way the actual temperature of the earth is dropped slightly you know what I mean so that way we have a more bearable temperature to deal with or do you want the ice to melt faster so that way people travel in the winter time and it helps promote, tr- and and helps with the city workers plowing the roads and everything. So, I mean, I guess it's a toss-up.
1: Well, I mean, I don't think winter was that bad this year, though. Yeah, we, winter was not that bad this year. I don't year. think the plows really ran a lot this year.
0: And the higher elevations they did, but uh, Diana went up with her husband up to Monte Cristo like a month and a half ago or so, two months ago, when That road was open when it's usually closed, and there's not that much snow up there. So we really didn't get that much snow this year, unfortunately.
1: I I don't know. For me, at least my roof, like the roads, I can, whatever, the roads. But my house, you know, when I'm inside, if I can cool it down by 25 degrees, and that saves me running, you know, the AC 24-7, like at night. Mm -hmm. Because, like, when we came back from the investigation, I I got home at, uh, like, 3 in the morning. Mm Mm-hmm my house was still like 71 degrees Mm. 72 degrees inside Mm -hmm. and I was like the outside temperature is cool but inside is super hot because all the heat that got trapped during the day is now starting to seep down into my house because the outside's getting cold yeah so I was like that kind of sucks that I have to run my AC at three o'clock in the morning just to cool the house down a bit
0: yeah yeah that was the same thing with me when I got home. The house was pretty hot, so I didn't even turn on the heater at all. I thought about opening up a window, but I knew if I opened up a window, I'd be woken up at, like, 8 o'clock in the morning with the neighbors mowing their lawn or whatever, so I wasn't going to chance that.
1: But, but yeah, it's, it's getting- interesting. I, I I, don't know if there's a, a law or rule or something that I couldn't paint my roof white. I don't think so. But, I mean, if I just buy a couple gallons of paint I, I feel like I, I might do that I think it yeah. might be a good idea
0: yeah it wouldn't be bad maybe do they sell instead of doing the, the shingles on your roof do you think you could just switch it over to tin and just do white tin instead
1: I don't think they'd want to do tin because tin would heat up faster
0: even if it's white
1: yeah, because it, it's metal, it'd get hot.
0: Hmm.
1: Worse than uh, than the shingles. Plus, I don't know how good that'd look either.
0: Yeah. Well, there's an invention for you. Make shingles that are white. Invent some sort of white tar or whatever that they make the shingles out of, and then you'd be rolling in the bank.
1: Right, because that's basically what it is. It's a clump of tar with mm. sprinkles of whatever rubber stuff or whatever you put on it yeah and then there's like a matte paper below it too
0: Mm.
1: yeah i guess i can't imagine what the ingredients that go into making tar that you can't just switch something around to where it's the same consistency of tar but it's a different color yeah that'd
0: be definitely something to look into yeah for sure so yeah, if you have any stories about Bigfoot or Yetis or Sasquatch or if you've ran into one personally, have you experienced anything weird when you were out camping or hunting or anything like that? Something that you just cannot explain, let us know. If you would like, if you tell us a story, we'll tell it on our podcast. We'll definitely let people know that people have experienced this. Me, I have not experienced it. David hasn't. I don't think anybody on my team has but i've heard people have had encounters with bigfoot particularly around here. So mm-hmm. if you have, let us know. We would love to hear about that. Cuz we always want to expand our knowledge and obviously this is kind of this is paranormalesque, you know, cuz paranormal is anything odd and cryptic and the whole nine yards, you know. But we specialize in more spirits yeah, than for sure. cryptic for sure. animals. So
1: And that's why we don't we cuz i mean people talk about this uh, all the time. So, like, you can go anywhere and you'll find conversations about it. Um, but the, we're just talking about it is because we're not that familiar with it. So, there's actually something that we're not familiar with it. So, it, we're talking about it now because there's going to be a potential for us to get more familiar about it. So, I mean, when we do go on those hunts or whatever and we dive more into the research, we, we can come back and tell you what we think after actually experiencing it. But we're just kind of bringing it up and bringing it to. Our listeners if you're not aware of it to uh, your guys's attention mm-hmm. and just to try to try to stoke a conversation because it's basically us wanting to know more about this so we're wanting uh, you guys who if you have experience to, to share it with us so then we can try to compile a list and information so then we can know more going forward
0: yeah definitely and who knows we might do another episode on this after when we've done some more research we've experienced some things we've talked to a few people maybe we can do this episode again after when we do that paranormal expo when i sit down and i talk with that guy that that guy that's local that does bigfoot hunting he might have some good insight and some good details that we could probably share on this episode or who knows we might bring him on 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 an episode and have him talk about his experiences and everything because i find it pretty fascinating you know anything cryptic I kind of like it's my jam I just have never experienced this kind of stuff before I mean aliens Bigfoot chupacabra, who knows you know I've never really experienced it it's just only the paranormal aspect so like I said before if you have any stories if you have any experiences let us know and we'll definitely talk about it but I think this would be a good topic to to follow up on after the expo, after when we talk to that guy. Because I think that would be good if me and you sit down and we talk to him, and I think that would be a good time.
1: Yeah, it will be interesting to see what he knows.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, we're going to talk about a few residential cases. Obviously, we're not going to go too in-depth on them, or anything like that. We had two residential cases investigations here in Logan, and we had one in Lava Hot Springs. David is very, very intimate with the Lava Hot Springs one, so I'll have him explain what happened on that particular investigation, but for the first Logan investigation, a A lady reached out to us and she was having paranormal issues going on in her house. It was to the point where it was scaring her. She was currently separated from her husband, so it was only her and the kids in the house. And he was working on the road, so he'd be gone for weeks at a time and then he'd only be home for a few days and, you know, and then he would be back to work again. So they still lived in the same household. They just, you know, he lived downstairs, she lived upstairs. But they were having issues in their house, particularly in the basement area. We went over there, we investigated, we found some nefarious things going on. We've cleansed it. The first time, everything went well until she decided to go on the Logan Paranormal Tour. And she brought something home. So we had to go back over there again and redo the cleansing, check her out and then educate her and tell her hey you can't be doing this kind of stuff you know (laughs) we literally were just here a few weeks ago and then you went on a paranormal investigation tour and then you brought something home you can't really be doing this right now so she finally understood and all was copacetic and then she ended up selling the house and moving to tennessee and now they're living happily over there they come over and visit every once in a while I think I saw her last year or the year before. They did a big birthday party over in Bear Lake. It was a great time. But I was happy to get them taken care of and everything. The other Logan residential that we had, there were reports of footsteps, knocks, talking, stuff like that. It was a house that was rented out by a bunch of young girls. We went in there. We did find some things some nefarious things. The biggest thing that we found was a Ouija board. And it's been used. And at that time, that's when I decided to just shut the investigation down. And this particular residential investigation that we did, this was before we were doing cleansings. The first one that I talked about, we were just starting to to offer cleansings. This other one. This was a couple months before we started doing cleansing, so we didn't cleanse the house or anything. Once we saw the Ouija board, we basically called it quits. We let the homeowner know, hey, as per what we talked about, you said that you didn't have anything nefarious in your house. Well, we just found this Ouija board that was on the list. Unfortunately, we're going to have to wrap up this investigation because I don't feel safe in your house with this particular Ouija board. Reviewed everything. We did find evidence there, and I basically, I if I remember correctly, I referred him to another team for the cleansing. And I don't know what ended up happening with that. Which well, was. it's
1: good that you did that because that was a while ago, and we didn't. You didn't have this. I wasn't there for that. That second one. No. Um, but you, it's good that you did that because we didn't really have the skills that we do now to mm-hmm. have been able to deal with that. Mm-hmm. And that's a good piece of advice for anyone who's doing this that if you can't handle something you got to walk away and you got to let someone else do it because if you don't know what you're doing you're only going to make things worse so exactly you know that i think that was the right step and the right move to do that uh, not only to keep the team safe and yourself safe but also the people safe because if you tried doing anything else with it you could have made it a lot worse Mm -hmm. so that's really good but the first one i actually remember that one because i was there surprisingly Mm -hmm. um we're getting to the ones where i'm actually on on the team at this point now yep definitely (laughs) doing this so this was early on but i remember because i think this is like one of the first few times i started using my sls camera Mm
0: mm-hmm Yeah, it was about around the time when you actually, I think it was right after you purchased the SLS we went
1: to Yeah, so I was very, very new to it. But I do remember uh, a a lot with with that, with with the closet. You know, there was the creeper that hanged out in the closet. And I remember uh, mapping it with with the SLS camera. And then Mm -hmm. walking into that closet, you can just feel uh, that something just... Did not want you in there. It was like hovering around you, like all staticky feeling around mm. you. So I remember that for sure. And then uh, one of the biggest things uh, that we we had to tell her was a uh, uh, before I think before we showed up, she said she was a uh, she was drinking and like she offered us a drink, you know, as a friendly thing. Mm. But we had to tell her like, yeah, well, we're here now, and when we're investigating, we're going to want you to stop drinking because alcohol which we don't I mean we aren't against alcohol we, we like it yeah. uh, but when it comes to spirituality alcohol does not mix mm-hmm. because it lowers your defenses when you do drink excessively or you know do do drugs of that sort um, so like it, we don't condone it in the investigation standpoint because then it opens you up for attack mm-hmm. but like you know downtime and relaxing Outside of investigating, I mean, we're all fine with that. But, yeah, everything's good in moderation, right? I mm-hmm. mean, drinking, all that stuff, it it's fine. But if you do too much, then obviously it's a problem. Yeah. So it, that was one of the things that we were like, all right. Well, we got to stop now because we're investigating. So, and, and she she was very susceptible to it. She understood. Mm-hmm. She she just kind of just doing it, like you said, because she's going through a hard time, and then dealing with the spirit and stuff uh, kind of affects you know sleeping and stuff. Because actually, if I remember correctly, too, um, when we went to help, uh, she said she had to sleep with the lights on because mm-hmm. she could not sleep, and then because uh, she was you know in the room with us as we were investigating, and it was all that. But I think after we were done, like the following couple days, she said she was able to actually sleep uh, with the lights off. Yeah. And to and- me, first doing this, when I heard that, I was like, cause I was still very new to this. And I didn't know if this was real or not. Like, you know, I was very, very, very skeptical. I'm still skeptical, but I know more now. And with my feels, I can kind of tell, but I still like to stay skeptical. But in that moment, it was one of those times where I was like, you know, whether this is real or not, ghosts or whatever, we literally just helped the person be able to sleep in their own home. Mm. That to me was very rewarding. Yeah. Because if even if spirits didn't exist and they weren't affecting her, we made her believe that she could be safe and relaxed in her own home. So I really liked that. And that's what kind of propelled me forward into this to keep on doing this because we were, we were helping people.
0: Yeah. And that, that's part of my passion. You know, it's helping these people out, uh, be comfortable in their homes. That's what drives me to want to do this kind of stuff. And she's a prime example of we came in, we figured out the problem, we resolved it, and now she's comfortable in her house again. Unfortunately, she did slip up and we had to go back over there again. But accidents happen. It's fine, as long as it's not a reoccurring issue, which ended up not being a reoccurring issue for the future. And as far as I'm aware, she's doing great over there in Tennessee. She's absolutely loving it over there, and I don't blame her. If anybody can get out of this state and enjoy other states, particularly with more beautiful surroundings, I would definitely recommend it. Because I, me personally, I wouldn't mind living in Kentucky or Tennessee. I think, I think those would be the two states I would live in.
1: It'd be cheaper than Utah, technically. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Now, this last case that we're going to talk about. Spoiler alert. David broke. Did you break your ankle or did you roll your ankle when you were there?
1: Yes. So, this is a dark day for me. Yes, it was. Um, I did... I broke my ankle. Uh, It was on the growth plate. There was a crack uh, going up the the growth plate uh, in the x-ray. So, uh, still very new to this, right? Um, And you'll be surprised that spirit did not break my ankle. Um, We were kind of doing an inside outside thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's on on the side of the mountain, but then there's like their backyard and then it steeps down a 45 degree angle grass hill slope and then it flattens back out again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, I was going up and down it actually all day, and it was fine. Traction was good. I knew what I was doing. But when it got dark, things got a little dewy on the grass. So it was mm-hmm. a little wet. So I was going down it again to get my equipment before we even started investigating. And then I just slipped. And then I went, and then my foot I instantly heard a pop. And then I landed uh, face down on the ground. So I instantly knew like I fucked up my ankle. So then I grabbed my ankle and I just kind of tried pushing it back into uh, place. Uh, And then I proceeded to crawl up the hill back to the house. Uh, And I got to the house after crawling uh, for a minute. And then I just see uh, one of our former investigators coming by and I was like, "Uh, hello, I need help (laughs) in a calm (laughs) voice. And I'm like, so. I just broke my ankle. Um, I can feel myself going into shock right about now, so might want to go get some help. And then you guys came out, picked me up and walked me into, into the room and put me on the couch. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. Um, but at that point, I don't think anyone really knew how bad my ankle was. Yeah. And I don't even know if I did too. But... Uh, so I'm like, well, I'm just going to sleep here. So I slept on the couch while you all investigated. So I didn't even get to investigate that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the next morning. So I don't at this point, you can tell me uh, what you guys got. And then I'll, I'll come back to, to what yeah. happened with me some more.
0: Yeah. So we were reached out by this wonderful uh, lady and her husband over in Lava Hot Springs. And they live on a piece of property that Native Americans used to 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 roam on they settled it the whole nine yards and if anybody's not familiar with lava hot springs it's a a small community that has a bunch of natural hot springs literally in this gorge uh, between these two mountains and it was it was obviously natives were here first and then white men came and settled it and turned it into a mini resort in the rocky mountains they have plenty of hotels, bars, restaurants, grocery stores. There's people that live there all year round, help people go there all year round. Because there's there, there's nothing more satisfying than sitting in a hot tub of natural mineral water and just watching the snow just like coming from the sky. You know, it, it's kind of a peaceful solace type feeling. And a lot of people go there to relax, to heal. If we go into the metaphysical properties of a natural hot mineral water coming from the ground because of volcanic activity happening underneath our feet is causing the water to, to heat up, boil over, and kind of like Old Faithful up in Yellowstone where the supervolcano is. So, we got invited there. We got up to this property, which wasn't, it was kind of a jaunt up the mountain from Lava Hot Springs it wasn't really that bad but we got up there pretty early they requested us to come up there and and check out the area before it got dark so we went up there and they actually had this kick-ass swing that spanned it between two different trees and when you swung on it I mean it could put you like 20-30 feet up in the air back and forth that was fun I really wish I could do that again um, but the hospitality was great the house was nice you know, they they live out in the middle of BFE, so they have taxidermy animals on the walls, antlers. I think they had a... Didn't they have a chandelier made of handler, antlers, if I remember correctly?
1: Yeah, I don't remember too much of what inside their house looked like, since I didn't really get to wander around their house that much. Yeah, yeah.
0: But the uh, once nightfall hit, we had all our equipment set up, and we started investigating... To be honest with you, we got more activity outside than we did inside. You can definitely tell the spirits of the natives were there, and they were curious. I mean, there, there wasn't anything nefarious there. It was more just, there was spirits, you know, native spirits there. And in the house, it was actually pretty well quiet. I reviewed everything, and then I did a did a brief overview before we started the podcast, and we didn't really catch much evidence there, but we did catch a lot of feelings. You know what I mean? So, on the evidence aspect of it, we didn't have that much, but the experience was awesome. Being able to communicate with some spirits there that were willing to talk to us was awesome as well. And then the next morning... David, you can proceed.
1: Yeah, so I awake... Um, so, the one thing about this lady, she, she's very interesting character. Um... She's kind of, yeah, she's like all over the place, but she I, she claimed to have had uh, psychic powers, whatever. She, she, she claimed she was like a type of sensitive, right? Um, and I'm like, okay, that's cool. You know, she's a little wonky and stuff. Um, but so go upstairs, she, they're very nice. They made us breakfast. Mm-hmm. So that that was pretty cool. Um, so then she hands me the plate and I'm looking in the plate, in the bowl and it's eggs and it's got like some green green specks on it and I was like in my head I'm like what the hell What is this you know like like hesitating to, to eat it cause I'm like this chick's like she's gonna poison me or something you know she's gonna kill me with this food but uh, then she just comes out and then she just looks at me and she's like oh don't worry it's not poisonous it won't kill you and I was like oh that's, that's good to know <laughs> I, I remember just,
0: seeing your face too you were like in kind of shock I was just like just
1: right after I was just thinking that too she just comes out and tells me don't worry it's not poisonous and I was like oh that's good to know and I'm like thinking my head's not safe don't <laughs> think you know and and then we just went home after that but mm-hmm. it it was very interesting for sure
0: yeah it was definitely the 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 area in general was definitely homestead feel you know the eggs that she made us were from her chickens in the yard They are pretty well self-sustained out there. I mean, they had their garden, if I remember correctly. They go hunting, so they had plenty of meat. So, I mean, they were very self-sustained out there. Really, really awesome people that we got to know, and they brought us in their house and investigated everything, and I definitely wouldn't mind going up there and visiting with them again. They are older, if I remember correctly, they're both retired, so. But it was it was a good investigation. It was just unfortunate that David broke his ankle and that was a long healing process for you. I remember you were in a, in that boot for months.
1: Yeah, I was out of work I think for almost a full month, which sucked. Mm-hmm. Cuz I had a hard time adapting to walking again. Yeah. So like I could with the boot on, it had obviously the support cuz it was a nice boot to to help me walk so like at first i was just crutches and then it was crutches with boot and then it was just boot but then i tried walking without the boot and i just i couldn't put pressure on it you know mm-hmm. and uh, eventually what was funny is what helped me walk again was uh, i have a uh, these work boots that they're they're high tops and they're pretty thick too like sole wise and then i ended up putting a uh, gel soles into them mm-hmm. so i put uh, two layers of socks on put my feet in the boots and tied up uh you know the, the high-waisted uh not high-waisted high high top boots mm-hmm. uh because they, they go up past my ankle you know high tops do mm-hmm. and i just tied those on and i remember just taking a step and my work boots are actually what helped me uh learn to walk again basically
0: yeah and you haven't really had much issues with your ankle since then right
1: oh it hurts all the time occasionally i'll just yeah. be sitting there and then i'll rotate it and it'll get like kind of locked up and then it pops yeah, there, there's times where I can feel my my ankle starts starts hurting mm-hmm. again and stuff, and it doesn't get too bad, but it does bother me.
0: Yeah. Well, at least it's not bothering you as much, unlike when you were trying to learn how to walk and everything.
1: No, it's not like an everyday thing. Like I said, it's very uh, sporadic when when I can feel. It acting up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I remember when that happened. She came in. She came running in the house. David broke his ankle and I looked at her and I was like, what? Because <laughs> I think I was still setting up equipment at that time if I remember correctly.
1: What I do remember though because uh, I don't remember where you ended up staying but I, there was uh, the, the three of the girls on our team. They they all shared a tent together mm-hmm. and I think from one of their accounts is that that they could hear, like, someone rustling their tent a good majority of the night. Like, someone was grabbing it and just, like, pulling on it.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because I was staying inside. I was in the room next to the living room where you were sleeping because I was staying close to you just in case if anything happened. So, yeah, I definitely remember that. Yeah, they were experiencing some things out there. But it also wasn't uncommon for them to have wildlife going through their... Yard either, so I do believe they th- they, if I remember correctly, what they said they did hear wildlife come through, but that shaking of the of the tent though was not natural, yep. whatsoever. So, David, what piece of equipment would you like to talk about on this episode?
1: So I'm going to talk about the Ovilus device, uh, specifically the ovulus five device, because that is what I have. Um, mm-hmm. I think people have heard of me talking about the ovulus device. Uh, So essentially what the Oculus 5 device is that I have, it's uh, just like a square box with two uh, antennas on each corner going up. Um, They're made out of rubber and it's a plastic device and it's a touch screen. Um, So it's actually got a bunch of different other modes than what most people think it has. Uh, It obviously has the uh, speech recognition voice uh, where it has a built in dictionary in it. And spirits essentially use their energy to make words form on the ovulus device and now a lot of people have a problem with the obvious device because it spits out words and a lot of people if they don't know what they're doing they assume every word that comes through there is a spirit talking to them which isn't the case um anybody who has energy can actually make it go off like If I just have it sitting on a table and then I go to pick it up, it's uh, my energy will set it off, right? If people walk in front of me, it'll pick up their energy. So a lot of times what I like to use the ovulus for is I can be in a room and it really won't say a lot. Like words are very sparse, but then I'll know that a spirit is in there not only from the environment changing with my feelings that I get uh, because I know what that feels like when it gets darker heavier ovilus will also start spitting off a few words and even though they don't mean anything i can correlate that with a spirit entering the field and presence of me because it's sensing that energy that was changed from before but there will be times too where you ask uh questions uh and the specific question that you just ask, you instantly can get a response from the ovulus that actually correlates with uh, your question. So I do believe spirits can uh, figure out how to use their energy to manipulate it, to be able to get a word out that is answering your question. So you just gotta kinda know uh, kinda how, how it works and not everything you get is something. Because sometimes I'll be asking questions and then it'll say something, I'm like, well, that's not really relevant to what I was asking, or it'll say something that I'm like, well, I don't know what that means, so I just move on. But I, I remember those words, and then as the investigations go on, certain things um, start being somewhat relatable. Like sometimes it'll say a couple words back to back multiple times. I'm like, oh, it said that, obviously said that word a few times. I wonder, I wonder what the significance of that is, and I'll keep that in the back of my mind, and eventually I could find something that that word actually correlated with um, but so it does have other modes on them um, I don't really use any of the other modes like it does have like a it's kind of like a radar system where you kind of hold it flat and it'll, it'll ping in a certain direction that a spear is located in if it breaks its field um, it's got a grid system so on the screen it'll make blue dots kind of go in a grid And then if uh, the field changes, the dots will change a different color. Um, It's got like a true-false thing on it that you can ask a question and it'll go up or down if it's true or false. Just a lot of other stuff that I I really don't use because I never found that they were worth using because I didn't really get a lot of good evidence out of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the Ovilus 5 is by far one of our most commonly used piece of equipment on investigations and it's and it's came up with a lot of things that we've found in our research uh words that correlate to what's been going on in the house everything like that and me personally if i could get a my hands on a obvious three i would love to have an obvious three since that's just that's all it does is the dictionary you know and i would love to play around with it unfortunately you can never find one these days and when you can find one they're either broken or way overpriced to the point where it's not even worth it i just buy a brand new ovulus 5 and just call it well,
1: good because they they just don't make it no more mm-hmm. but uh yeah and the my ovulus 5 they have actually come out with uh, i think a few different renditions of it i think there's an ovulus 5b 5a or something like that uh where yeah something mod- like that they modified it a bit had a big speaker in the back and stuff but I mean as long as mine uh doesn't break I feel like I'll always have my ovulus 5 and Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'll ever need to get an updated version of it yeah because sometimes uh what you have that works is all you need and sometimes you don't need to get a better version of that because what you have is already good for what you need
0: yeah, in fact, that reminds me when uh, we were at Warren's Craft Burger, and we were sitting next to that table of that group that was trying to investigate the the Ben Loman Hotel. Well, Big formerly Lohman. known as the Ben Loman Hotel, and now it's the Bigelow Hotel, and then I hear it's closed down or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's not even a hotel. They're they're doing it as a, like a townhomes essentially. Mm. Yeah. Like they're trying to convert it from a hotel type to just people renting it.
0: So, yeah so there was a group of people that were there and they had an ovulus 5 as well I think it was the ovulus 5A and I and I know what David's ovulus feels like I mean it's it's kind of light but it's got some heft to it it feels like it's like good build quality Well when I was touching this other people's ovulus 5a it just felt like it was cheap you know it just it felt super light it felt cheap it didn't feel like it was the same ovulus that you have. So, definitely, I think you got the better end of it. I really don't like the looks or the feel of the upgraded versions of it, personally. But, I guess that's just me, because I'm so used to yours, that when I feel the newer ones, and they feel lighter, and they just feel cheaper, you know? I just feel like, why should you pay this much money for something that doesn't feel right, you know? But it's, also, it's an awesome piece of equipment, in fact, uh, on one of these episodes we'll be talking about a location called Hobbs Hollow. That OVULUS 5 produced some of the best evidence that correlates to all of the research that we did on that particular location. And I remember it to this day because I think it was the most accurate evidence to research mm-hmm. ratio that we had on any investigation to be honest. and. Part of that is because of your Ovulus 5. If you didn't have that Ovulus 5, I'm sure we probably could have put two and two together with digital mm. recordings and sp 7 spare boxes, and stuff like that. But having your ovulus there definitely, definitely helped out with the evidence to research ratio that we did for that property.
1: Yeah, that was a good one.
0: Yeah. So I definitely recommend Obvi- the Ovulus 5 to anybody. It's an awesome piece of equipment. It does what it tends to do. The spirits use this energy, speaks to the device, we see the word, we document it, and we see if it correlates with anything. Hell, I think, what, Friday night's investigation, it definitely said at least three or four words that coincided with the experiences that they were having in that house.
1: Yeah, it was interesting because there was a, uh, the certain places where it felt like it was just, it it was spitting out words. A lot so that was very interesting to 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 see that but then in other parts of the house it was more quieter but it would occasionally spit out words so you know it it got a lot of stuff I think I know wagon was one of them for sure and uh, there was a wagon that was brought up to the house I mean there's very a lot of native ties there Uh, wed uh, wed like wedding Uh, that that was brought up a few times uh, and in fact that
0: was when rebecca and her husband first got married and they were still living there
1: so i mean there was there was a few things that uh did come up um uh, i think even when you were dealing with uh uh, the negative type um and you you asked what its name was and i think it did come up and said devil Uh, Mm -hmm. not that that's what it was actually its name was but it was just trying to uh, be tough and try to scare us off type of thing. But mm-hmm. so, I mean, there was some interaction, maybe not, uh, direct contact with us, but just, uh, it's energy in general. My office was just picking up on stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we did baselines on that whole entire house prior to doing the investigation. And if I remember correctly, you said that the average was 0.7 milligals.
1: Yeah. With my weighted, uh, with the, the digital, uh, Tri-filled meter because mm-hmm. uh, that's a little bit different than uh, your standard uh, Mel meter. Yeah Because uh, it, it's a little it's a little more sensitive, but then so uh, What I do with that uh, is I walked around and yeah point seven point nine uh, Was the standard uh, pretty much throughout the whole house except for one room uh, There's a big spike and I found out what it was is that uh, there was like some jewelry sitting there and uh, it was like a bracelet but this bracelet had some uh, magnet type jewelry on it mm. and so every time i went by it it spiked up to 22 milligauss and that's mm. because of the magnetic field that it was creating was bouncing off and so i was like oh well figured that out yeah because i thought and, it was weird
0: yeah because the reason why i bring that up is because the ovulus relies on energy for spirits to communicate and everything and so we want to make sure that even though the house maintained a point seven point nine milligals, it wasn't the environmental aspect that no. was causing the device to go off. Because there's been rooms where the obvious didn't say a word, and it was yeah. 0.7 milligals in that room, and then you would go to another part of the house and and it would just start blowing up. You know.
1: Yep. Uh, so. There was one room in the middle of a uh, uh, specific room where the it did jump. I got like a eleven and a twelve milligals uh, in one area that it came twice but then i never got it again so that was a, a significant spike but uh where we were originally using the ovulus where it was uh speaking a lot uh, i did have a rem pod nearby so that could have helped uh, but then when we moved away from that a rem pod in other areas of the house uh the words were weren't as frequent yeah
0: yeah so i mean it Yes, it's like any other piece of equipment, it can be hit and miss, but by far on every investigation we've had the Ovulus 5 on, it's been a stellar piece of equipment
1: and it's definitely recommended to go get it. Yep. I use it every single one. There's not a single investigation mm-hmm. I do not bring it and I do not use it. That is my number one go-to piece of equipment that I use.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so definitely recommend the Ovulus 5 if you can't afford it now save some coin, go get it because it's definitely worth it. And if you can find an Obvious 3 for a halfway decent amount of money and it still works, get it. Because that's that's a good piece of equipment right there. But that's going to do it for our episode. We thank you for tuning into us and listening to us on your busy Monday morning. And we look forward to our next episode and we are going to be talking about other cryptic animals and to give you a hint they come from the sky so thank you so much for tuning in to us and you guys have a great rest of your day see ya you are listening to the bear river paranormal podcast brp podcast if you or you know of someone who is having issues with an entity or a possible haunting please send us an email text or call you can find all of our information at www.BearRiverParanormal.com We work 24-7 so we can resolve your paranormal issues quickly and as conveniently as possible. If you haven't already, please subscribe to Bear River Paranormal Podcast. Toss us a rating or a review. You can also find us on Facebook at Podcast. If you are interested in sponsoring us, please send us a message. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you for listening, and have a great rest of your day.